the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Hello, welcome, 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 regardless of what part of the world you reside. I welcome you to my show, two hours every Tuesday live, as you know, and then I encourage everyone to contact me, join my tribe on danclark.com, my website. Obviously, this is the Influencers Channel, and I've changed the format up almost every week, where back in the day when I first came on the air... A few months ago, I always had a Grammy Award-winning songwriter who talked about his or her songs, uh, the, the, the methods behind them, the stories behind how they wrote the song, why they wrote the song, what the song was about. And then, obviously, we would play an MP3 file recording of the actual artist who recorded it. Tim Nichols wrote Live Like You're Dying, and, and obviously, Tim McGraw recorded that, <clears throat> a dear friend. Another dear friend, Liz Rose, among the many, many songs she's written with Taylor Swift and other artists, she wrote Girl Crush, and then we had Little Big Town perform Little Big Crush. Monty Powell, an amazing Grammy Award-winning songwriter, has most of the number one tunes with Keith Urban. It was great to hear him tell the stories behind Days Go By and Tonight I Want to Cry and Who Wouldn't Want to Be Me that was that were recorded by Keith Urban, and we played those amazing performances. Why am I making a big deal out of that old, or former, not old, because I'm going to bring it back uh, to my format. Why am I referring to that that I have not uh, highlighted or featured on my radio show for a few weeks now? It's because of the reality of music. There's only 12 notes in music, every song ever written, in any genre was written with the same 12 notes. The only difference between one song and another song is the order in which those 12 notes fall and the timing and spacing in between the notes. So the question of the day is, what's the difference between a hit songwriter and a lousy songwriter that have access to the same 12 notes? What's the difference between a great banker and a lousy banker they have access to the same interest rates in the same economy? The answer is passion, creativity, and imagination. I want to share a story because of the two guests that I have on the show today. In the first hour, I have the amazing Captain Charlie Plum, who graduated from the Naval Academy at Annapolis, Maryland in 1964. And in November of 1965, Plum earned his Navy wings, becoming a United States Naval aviator. And from this, Plum reported to Miramar Naval Air Station in San Diego, where they filmed the movie Top Gun. And there, Captain Plum made his mark helping to develop the actual Navy Fighter Weapons School, more commonly known today as Top Gun. He was shot down in the Vietnam War and spent six years being tortured and starved. Beyond belief, he's going to tell us what he learned, the principles of leadership and personal development that he learned while he was confined 
And I have several friends who have been uh, POWs. My father-in-law was shot down in his first mission in a B-17 as a 19-year-old and spent a year as a POW in a Nazi concentration camp, freed by Patton's 3rd Armored Battalion as they rolled into Berlin. They won a, a battle in a small village close to the POW camp and then freed he and his uh, inmates. So I'm kind of familiar with that that sense of resiliency and that deep sense of, of patriotism and service before self and commitment to all that we do. But one of the reasons why I've invited Captain Charlie Plum on this show is because I was friends with General Robbie Reisner, who was the, the highest ranking officer at the Hanoi Hilton, affectionately referred to as the Hanoi Hilton. It's actually Wallow Prison. I've visited Wallow Prison. I've walked the halls. I've entered some of the the cells that that still remain there as they've turned it into a museum. Good friend of mine, Captain Jerry Coffey, he was also incarcerated and shot down in the Vietnam War. And when I phoned him on my way to Vietnam, I said, is there anything I need to know? And he said, yeah. He said, um, look around to see where those bastards held us. I was so emotionally moved. One of the other reasons why I want Captain Charlie Plum on this show is because of my far-reaching audience that scales in excess of 20 countries. Many of our listeners and loyal fans are from the military. And Charlie Plum is a professional speaker, and he's one of the most sought-after achievement speakers of his time, of my time. Charlie Plum's presentations are, as he is, sincere, straightforward, humorous, and tailored to motivate each specific audience he encounters. I've had the privilege of sharing the platform with him several times. I can't wait to bring him on the air. He was uh, an ace He was an extraordinary fighter pilot in what we call the F-4 Phantom, and I've had a chance to fly that aircraft out of Eglin Air Force Base in Florida, so I kind of understand what the inside of that cockpit looks like. May I just quickly share something very significant about his background before I bring him on. After Captain Plum was at Miramar, the Naval Air Station in San Diego, his next appointment was to the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk, where he was assigned one of the Navy's hottest jets, this F-4 Phantom. Captain Plum flew 74 successful combat missions over North Vietnam and made well over 100 carrier landings. I have also had an opportunity to take off and land on an aircraft carrier. On his 75th mission, just five days before the end of his tour, Captain Plum was shot down over Hanoi, taken prisoner, starved, tortured repeatedly, and survived the next 2,103 days as a prisoner of war until he was released on February 18, 1973. During his nearly six years of captivity, Charlie Plum distinguished himself among his fellow prisoners as a professional in underground communications and served for two of those years as the chaplain in his camp. 
Since his return home, more than 5,000 audiences in nearly every industry have been spellbound as Captain Charlie Plum draws parallels between his POW experience and the challenges of everyday life. Yes, you've seen him on TV. He shared his message to an even wider public through appearances on Good Morning America, Anderson Cooper 360, MSNBC, The 70s with Wolf Blitzer, CNN, New Day with Chris Kumo. The list goes on and on. This is prized, precious time. And I don't want to take anything away from Captain Plum. Could we put him on, Matt, my engineer? Could we invite him on and just make sure he hears me, I hear him without going to a commercial break? I want so badly to talk to this hero of mine. Hello, Dan. How are you, Captain Flum? I'm just living the dream, baby. You know, you have. I uh, was booked so many, many times back in the day by your amazing brother, Brad. And uh, every time I saw myself on the program with you, I would actually tear up. It sounds cheesy, but I would tear up and, and question my validity, wondering why in the world would I be on the same program with a hero like you. So I've admired you for so many years, my friend. I just know so much about you that you would not even believe. So this is an honor. Thank you for joining me. Listen, the honor is mine, my friend. Uh, you've done so many things in your life, and we have so many Similar connections, you know, with their love of the military and the flying you've done, your dad being a prisoner of war. And, and of course, uh, you know, we share that honor of the National Speakers Association of, of, um, in, in the speaking business. And, and it's, it's a pleasure not just to follow you around on the speaking circuit, but to be on your program as well. You're so kind. You know, one of the things that I've been able to do is <clears throat> volunteer my time as a speaker to entertain our troops, to motivate and inspire our troops. So I've been to the AOR, Afghanistan, Iraq, different parts of the AOR, eight different times on military tribute tours. And because I've given over 350 free speeches to the military, they always ask me, hey, so what can we do for you? And after one particular speech, I said, I want to ride in an F-4 Phantom. I want to hop in that back seat, and every single time I've flown any of the fighter jets, I've, I've gone up in the air, probably the, the, a 90-minute sortie, and they've let me take the stick for 30 out of those 90 minutes. So I have been in the F-4 Phantom, and then selfishly, I, uh, I, I serve on an international board of governors of Operation Smile. We do the cleft lip, cleft palate surgeries. Sure. And so I took my my uh, 16-year-old daughter to Vietnam on a nine-day humanitarian mission and left her in the south while I went up to the north and hired an English-speaking tour guide with his car. And he took me to, you know, the Museum of American Atrocities. And he took me to the lake where there was still wreckage of a B-52 they had shot down. And then I went to Wallow Prison and spent about two hours So I wanted you to know that I've been in that F-4 and I've been in Wallow Prison and I connect at that level, wanting everyone within the sound of our voices to hear your story. So let's just begin. I know you grew up as a farm kid in a small town in Kansas, and then you decided because of your fascination with planes that you would... uh, seek an appointment to the Naval Academy in Annapolis where you graduated in 1964. Can we take it from there and let's just start sharing people, sharing with my listeners who you are, why you do what you, why you did what you did and why you do what you do. You're amazing. 
Well, thanks for that. Uh, and incidentally, you took your daughter to Vietnam. I took my two of my daughters and my son to Vietnam just two years ago. First time I'd been back since I was there incarcerated. And it was a pretty emotional experience, especially for my family. But that cell that you visited in the Hanoi Hilton is actually the very cell that I was in. So it was um, it was like old home week going back to my home. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, so graduated from Naval Academy. Uh, I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Uh, <laughs> you know, not, not a great, not a great student, not a great athlete. Uh, you know, um, but I made it through and and was actually sent to flight training. I was very proud of that. I married my high school sweetheart, lovely blonde girl from Kansas, under the arch of swords. And uh, we set sail for Pensacola, Florida, in Beagle, Texas, winning Mississippi, and finally out to Miramar, San Diego, San Diego California, where, um, where I was trained to fly the F-4 Phantom jet. What, wow. a, what a proud time in my life, you know, to be doing something at only a very small uh, fraction of the small percent of the people in the world have ever done, you know, fly this... Uh, Mach 2 airplane around the skies and land on aircraft carriers and it's uh, it, it just, a, just a thrill to serve my country in that capacity. Let me interrupt awesome. because, because we all want to know what it's like to take off and land on an aircraft carrier. What goes through your mind? How do you prepare yourself emotionally and physically to get launched off a carrier and then have to figure out a way to navigate your moving aircraft onto a moving ship? <laughs> well, well, of course, it takes a lot of training. And uh, like most things in the military, you train and train and train, and when you finally get it right, you train and train and train some more. <laughs> and so um, it, it, it was almost anticlimactic. Well, I wouldn't say that. It wasn't anticlimactic. But uh, you really pretty much know what you're doing when you actually get out there for the first time. But that, and, of course, there are simulators that take you through some of this stuff, but there's nothing quite like being launched off the, you know, the bow of a, of a ship you know, in, this, in this airplane. And then, as you say, trying to find your way back, that little postage stamp floating around that sea and, uh, and make a, a safe carrier landing on it. But it's, uh, well, some, some folks describe it as, as uh, the most exciting thing you can do with your pants on. And that's <laughs> accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in my experience, it's brown. I, I asked for some brown pants so I could hide a little bit of the action going on. You know what I'm saying, sir? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So, so, so take us from on? there. So, so you're assigned to the uh, to the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. How old were you, and what happened then? I was uh, 24 when I was assigned the the, the uh, Kitty Hawk, and that was in the fall. Let's see, that's, that's not quite true. I was 23 because my birthday was uh, that November. <laughs> and uh, so I was 23, signed to the Kitty Hawk, uh, and we launched uh, for the Vietnam War. I flew 74 successful combat missions five days before the end of my tour of duty, as you mentioned, uh, ready to go home. And, uh, you know, return to my wife and my loved ones back here in the States and a little bit of R&R. And uh, so, with just five days ago, I was on a, a big strike. Uh, we called it an alpha strike. It was the biggest thing we could do. 
We had three aircraft carriers, five Air Force bases, just everything we could throw at the enemy that day. And uh, my co-pilot, the guy in my backseat, the radar intercept officer, actually, Don Monk, had flown with me for all of these uh, 74 missions. But the 75th one, our our skipper took Don in, in his the back of his airplane because his RAO had been hit in the shoulder, and so he was recuperating. Uh, and so I... Uh, I was assigned Gary Anderson. I'd never flown with Gary. He'd never flown with me. He was a good RAO, but I always felt that we just didn't communicate very well that day. You know, the the, the, the cockpit communication, uh, uh, the trust uh, wasn't quite there. So we flew into Hornet's Nest, and uh, here comes a missile, and it blew up to some 12,000 pounds of jet fuel we had on board that airplane and sent that bird topsy-turvy. Uh, end over end down towards the rice paddy below. I ejected, my co-pilot ejected, our parachutes opened, and in about a 90-second descent, I made that transition from king of the skies to scum of the earth. Wow. I was shot down just very close to Hanoi, the capital city, and that was good news, bad news. Um, The bad news was there was not any chance to escape the good news was it was close to a formalized prison camp. A lot of the guys were shot down in, uh, out in the jungle or in Laos or Cambodia, and it would be uh, a month or maybe six weeks of dragging those poor guys, and many of them injured, into a formalized prison camp. And a lot of them died just in the transition from the point they were shot down into the camp. Wow. And so that was, it was fortunate for me to be shot down fairly close to the prison camp, and within, well, within a couple of hours, I was in the, in the, in the torture chamber <laughs> of that prison. Um, I was tortured for uh, two days at first for political propaganda uh, primarily and, and some military information, although I didn't really know enough to, uh, to, to give them any information. I was a very junior guy. I'm 24 now. Uh, at this time, 24 years old, and a very junior officer. I was a lieutenant junior grade. So, um, so I really didn't have any, you know, top secret stuff that, that they wanted. But I didn't stick with the name, rank, serial number, date of birth that we're supposed to if we're prisoners of war. The military code of conduct specifies that that's all you're obliged to give is name, rank, serial number, date of birth. Well, I flew the skies of Vietnam thinking that I was tough enough to stick with those four items. And I found out through the torture that I wasn't that tough. And I remember feeling very guilty about having given having giving up. You know, fighter pilots are not trained to give up. We, we, that's, that's not in our vernacular. And to have done that sent me into a state of deep depression. And the interesting part was that, you know, I, I, I didn't want to talk to anybody else. I didn't want to talk to another American. I, I was afraid of even going home at that point because I thought, how, how can I ever stand tall again after I've given up? And I felt so, uh, so guilty about my action. I just, I hadn't, I just hadn't lived up to the standard that, 
that I was holding myself to. So I was in the, yeah. and felt, Sarah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to interrupt and say, okay, so, you know, as speakers, we have to be ordinary before we can be extraordinary. People need to, to know why should I listen to you, but the second question is most important. Can I do this too with my limitations, with my weaknesses, perhaps my strengths? May I ask you to describe this two days of torture? I mean, it wasn't sure. just, you know, pulling on your nose here. So let's, let's talk here, brother. <laughs> but the, uh, the torture technique, the main that, when, that was used in Vietnam was called the, the, rope, the rope trick. And that's what we called it. Uh, and it is an ancient technique that, um, that the Vietnamese had used uh, against the French and before the French the Chinese, um, and so they, they, they knew how to do this. Uh, it was a, a set of ropes and irons, shackles on your ankles, and manacles, tight, tight handcuffs on your wrists behind your back. The manacles went on your, your ankles on a bar, uh, to these shackles, I'm sorry, the shackles on your ankles, and then he would tie a rope from the shackles up over your shoulder and back down to the to your wrists, tied behind your back. The torture part was twisting the rope and tightening this up. So you're wadded up like a human pretzel. Your mm-hmm. feet are up in your face. I remember being able to look up and see my wrists backwards because my shoulders by this time were out of joint. And uh, and my my it, it, I mean it's kind of hard to imagine this, but but. I was actually looking up at my my wrists uh, coming up from behind my back. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, pretty painful. Then they so they take you and 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 they hook this rope into a chain from the from a hook in the ceiling of this room. Uh, we call this room the green knobby room because it was first of all it was painted green, but it had knobs of plaster throughout the room to attenuate the sound of screaming Americans. And uh, it, interestingly enough, uh, two years ago when we went back to Vietnam, <laughs> um, they've, they've made this, this torture room into a gift shop. <laughs> oh, and, uh, no. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had uh, uh, talked to you before you went over there because that hook is still in the ceiling of this gift shop. My son pointed it out to me because he knew, you know, he knew my story, and he pointed to the hook in the ceiling of the gift shop. He said, is that, oh is that the hook where you, they hung you? <laughs> in fact, it is. Oh, my gosh. So two days, and what would they do? While you're hanging there, they would say, you know, give us some information. Tell us what you know. Why are you bombing North Vietnam? What would they ask you? What would they say? Through ter- interpreters, obviously. Yes, um, it was through interpreters, and uh, they would ask the. Uh, they were very interested in the next targets to be hit by my air wing, and um, of course, I didn't know any any of the targets. They didn't make it a point of telling pilots what the future targets were, uh, for obvious reasons, and, uh, and so I didn't know. And I told them I didn't know, and I was tortured, and they asked me again, and I said I didn't know, and I was tortured again, and. So the third time they came around, I, I, I thought maybe honesty wouldn't be the best policy anymore. I'm going to try to, um, try to trick these guys. So I told them that 
The next target that hit by my air wing was going to be the city brewery. I figured, I explained to them that it was, it was a, a psychological warfare trick to destroy the morale of their soldiers by cutting off their beer. And they believe it. <laughs> that still works at every fraternity in America today. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want your listeners to get the wrong impression that these folks were not stupid. And in fact, in a lot of ways, they, they were, they, they had more natural instinct uh, instinctive intelligence than we did, but they were just very naive. And so they went out and they set all the air defenses around their brewery. And <laughs> the, the other part of that was that uh, even after you told them a lie and they found out the truth, they were embarrassed to return and admit that you'd pulled the wool over their eyes. It was sort of a, a face-saving thing. And uh, so it was, it's a weird culture. And, and, and one that even after six years, I don't think I really understood very well. Um, but they were different. Yes, sir. Let's go to a commercial break really quick. My listeners uh, need to know that this is the amazing Captain Charlie Plum, a POW in the Vietnam War, shot down after he flew 74 successful combat missions over North Vietnam and made well over 100 carrier landings on his 75th mission just five days before the end of his tour. Captain Plum was shot down over Hanoi, taken prisoner, starved, tortured repeatedly, and survived the next 2,103 days as a prisoner of war until he was released, God bless him, on February 18th. 1973. This is Dan Clark on the Voice Network, the Influencers Channel. Let's take a commercial break and we'll be right back with Captain Plum. Hear the stories, be motivated, be inspired. Join us today, Voice America Influencers. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. 
My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Yes, and I'm with my first guest, uh, Captain Charlie Plum, native of Kansas. And he was shot down as a pilot in his F-4 Phantom fighter jet over North Vietnam. And he was... <laughs> It was one of those stories, Charlie, my gosh, 74 successful combat missions, and on your 75th mission, just five days before the end of your tour, you're shot down and taken prisoner, starved, tortured beyond belief. You were there for six years as a speaker. I should have asked you this off the air, but I can refresh your memory if you don't, if you no longer do it, but... The very first time I shared the program with you, Charlie, the audience, you were you were introduced, the audience stood and gave you a standing ovation for probably two or three or four minutes nonstop. You're a true hero in every sense of the word at every level. And then when you took the stage, my friend, as I recall, you, you walked out on stage and you're tall and you're handsome and... You were kind of bent over a little bit, and you took four steps or so, stopped, turned, took four steps or so, I can't remember, stopped and turned, and then you turned to the audience and said, is that correct? Is that how you still start your speech? My presentation starts with a 90-second video. It's archival footage, aircraft carriers, fighter jets. We're having a great time zooming around the sky. Here comes a missile. I get blown out of the sky, parachute opens, uh, I land in a rice paddy. The final frame of this, of this video is a black and white shot of me in a flight suit in a prison camp. 
All right, that fades to black, and I take the stage and pays off, as you, as, as you pointed out, I pace three steps one way, three steps the other, and start to describe this eight-foot-by-eight-foot prison cell. And so it starts out on a very somber mood. But as, as I mentioned, that the point is, what I, what I try my best to do is to get each member of the audience to feel the feels, the smell, the smells, and experiences experience with me. And then I point out to them that I was in an eight-foot-by-eight-foot cell, but the biggest challenge in life is that eight-inch cell between your ears, that this is a mental game, and that even within the eight-feet cell of a prison, you have that freedom of thought that the eight inches between your ears can actually serve to as an escape from the prison itself. <clears throat> and then I talk about the eight inches that we all have, you know, that that we get ourselves into this pity party of our own, this laziness our problems, and feeling sorry for ourselves, and denying that we have any control over our destiny, and that gets us in the eight-inch uh, box of our lives. So that's... That's the way that I normally start my presentations, and uh, and it's um, <laughs> it, 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 it's almost a, a marquee for me. You know, our our mutual friend Jerry Coffey uh, is a is really about the only other ex POW from Vietnam that's on the speaking circuit, and uh, Jerry taps on the microphone to talk about the the, the code that we use over there, and so people. Well, identify him as the guy who taps and me as the guy who paces. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so powerful. Isn't that crazy that after all these years, I don't know how many times I've shared the platform with you, but at least 10. But after all these years, I remembered the very first time. So you accomplished your goal, three steps, stop, three steps, stop. And you shared with the audience that that was the size of your cell that you were incarcerated in for six years. And some of us complain that they don't have our hotel room ready when we check into the hotel. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, that's, that usually is the response that I get from a lot of audiences. You know, they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll say, you just make my... You make my problems seem smaller, you know, and you've helped me overcome these challenges in my life just by listening to, to the way you overcame the challenes of yours. Yes, sir. So, yes, please. Because I think that's one of the big points uh, that that I like to make for an audience because we all feel the, the pain of inadequacy, you know. Am I really going to measure up? Did I... And I fail, and and uh, you know I'm such a, I'm such a tragic failure in what I tried to do, and, and the marriage didn't work out, you know, or the job didn't work out. I was fired, right? You know, I, I flunked that course, and so so there I was in this prison cell, just in in misery and and, and mental pain, even worse than the physical pain of the torture, was the fact that I'd given up on myself. Well, after several weeks, I finally got communication with another prisoner of war, uh, and just by like, like tugging on a wire uh, in a secret code that, that he had taught me, and uh, and I said, I've got a confession to make to you, Shoe. This guy was Bob Shoemaker. 
I've got a confession to make to you. I, I, I failed the mission. I, I, I gave up. And you may not even want to talk to me anymore because I, I have failed. I broke. And he, he sent back to me on this little wire. He said, hell, everybody broke. He said, there's not a man in this prison camp who was as strong as he wanted to be. <clears throat> so he said, uh, there's good news here. You've just joined one of the greatest teams you'll ever play on. We have leadership in this camp. That's the best that you will ever see in your lifetime. And so he, he described to me that the leadership had turned around the, the whole mission, that we were not on the defensive, that we, we were not being put upon, that, you know, that, that, we, that we were warriors and, uh, and we had a job to do. You know, bump your big boy pants. Let's get on with this war. And so uh, the leadership in that prison camp unified all the prisoners of war there so that we came out healthier and, and, and happier than had we not been shot down. It's an amazing statistic, Dan, that nearly a third of all the combatants of Vietnam have PTSD. Of the prisoner of war population, only 4% of the POWs have PTSD. And they, they think that it's just primarily because of the leadership that we had there and the unity uh, of the group that we had a purpose uh, in, in life to show for it. So we've come back so, 591, 591 guys that produced 17 generals and seven admirals. Most of us retired as senior grade military officers. We have, you know, congressmen, two United, two United States senators, uh, two ambassadors from our number of 591 guys, a vice presidential candidate, a presidential candidate. You're telling us today we're healthier mentally and physically than if we hadn't been shot down. Yes, sir. And I'd, uh, I had dug up those statistics. I'm so glad you quoted those because that's so phenomenal. You validate it's not what happens to us. It's what we do with what happens to us that matters. Yeah. So equate that. You're a, you're a business uh, guru. You're so well respected in over 5,000 audiences in nearly every industry. Teach us about that elusive leadership. So you say we had amazing leadership. And you know what? You know, I was the guy in the Reagan White House who took Mrs. Reagan's Just Say No programmed all 50 states. And uh, your brother Brad had booked me in so many engagements in the youth educational arena. But uh, General Robbie Reisner was appointed by Ross Perot as the director of the Texas War on Drugs. And therefore, I became really good friends with General Reisner and uh, spoke for him on his programs multiple times. He has to be one of the leaders you're referring to as this amazing human being who got it. Teach us in a few minutes, what were some of those leadership principles that you think are timeless that, that allowed you 591 pr- prisoners of war to come home in better shape than you were when you were shot down? I think the thing that Robbie Reiser, and of course he's a hero of mine as well, and, uh, and Jim Stockdale, uh, the Navy counterpart, uh, the thing I think that, that they taught us all was you need a purpose. You need to rally around a purpose. And I see this so evident in, in, the, in the society today where, you know, we have 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And I think it's primarily because they no longer have a purpose. They take off their uniform 
and they, they no longer have this mission that, that's, that's so prevalent in the military. In the military, you always have a job to do. You're always looking forward. And they take off the uniform and into the civilian life, and they, they, they lose that raison d'etre. They just have no more reason. And it was the same way in the prison camp. And I think it's the same way in daily life. And I, I think that's, well, it is. It's the first thing that I tell leaders in the, in the leadership seminars that I do. I say, you know, find a purpose. You know, rally your team around this reason that, you're, that you built a team from the beginning. And it can be something really crazy. It can be something that can never happen. It can be... But, but define your purpose and then play to that purpose. Get every person on your team involved and get that buy-in <clears throat> for, for the, the reason that you're there. And, you know, we, we all have jobs and we know what we do and, and, uh, and we even know how to do it. But the why is the big issue. And if a leader can just establish the why of it all and then just Beat that, drum that, that into the head of all of your followers uh, that you rally around the cause. And that's pretty much what they did for us. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Captain Charlie Plum, POW, shot down in an F-4 Phantom jet over North Vietnam, spent six years incarcerated, starved, tortured beyond belief, and now he is a business guru teaching all of us about leadership and about resiliency, using his humor and his his motivational uh, techniques. I love you. I honor you. I want to take one more commercial break and then come back with Captain Plum, your military honors include the Silver Star, Legion of Merit, Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts, and obviously the POW Medal. Obviously, you didn't seek those awards and those honors. They just came as a result of you stepping it up when you needed to. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear Charlie Plum's most famous, most quoted story about an opportunity of running into someone who had helped him survive the day he got shot down. I know you know what I'm talking about, Captain Plum. And I can't wait for them to hear about that. Let's go to commercial break. Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. We'll be back in just a minute with the amazing American hero, Captain Charlie Plum. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. 
If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Join Voice America Live at the Verisage Symposium in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, November 10th, 11th, and 12th from Allen, Texas. We'll start with the networking day and football game on Friday, followed by two incredible days of sessions filled with talks, meals, keynotes, and more. These are exclusive sessions that you can't miss. Join Ron Baker, Ed Kless, and the Voice America events team and visit voiceamerica.com slash live events. To attend live, visit our Value.com and click events. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome. My guest has been and it continues to be Captain Charlie Plum, an amazing naval aviator who was responsible for uh, going to Miramar Naval Air Station in San Diego where they filmed the amazing movie Top Gun. And he was responsible for helping to develop that Navy fighter weapon school, more commonly known today as Top Gun. So even if you are king of the sky, even if you are on your top of your top game and one of the best in the world, sometimes we get shot down. And when you get shot down, what Charlie's message has been so famous for is helping all of us to realize that we're all going to get shot down at some point. If you're not failing a few times, it means you're not pushing yourself hard enough, but that doesn't make you a failure. It's what you do with that failure. It's understanding that adversity is what introduces us to ourselves. No one will ever know how strong we are until being strong is our only choice. Charlie, please share with my audience this amazing experience you had that kind of ties everything together, that everybody matters, that 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 you returned home safely in on February 18th, 1973, as the Vietnam War came to a close, and tell us what happened. Well, several years after I returned from Vietnam, I was in a restaurant in Kansas City, <clears throat> matter of fact, where I used to live. Uh, about two tables over, a guy kept looking at me, and I caught his eye, but I didn't recognize this chip. He stood up, walked over to my table, pointed at me, and said, You're Captain Plum, aren't you? I said, Yes, sir. 
He said, you flew jet fighters in Vietnam. Uh, you were shot down, parachuted in enemy hands. You spent six years as a prisoner of war. He's telling my whole story, okay? And so I, I looked up at him. I said, I said, how in the world did you know all that? And he finally broke into a smile, and he said, because I packed your parachute. <laughs> well, I, I was dumbfounded. You know, I mean, as, as this guy this guy that runs around the country making speeches, I was speechless, <laughs> So I staggered at my feet, reached out a very graceful hand of thanks, uh, and he came up with just proper words. The guy grabbed my hand, he, he pumped my arm, and he said, well, I guess it worked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I said, indeed it did, my friend, and I must tell you, I've said a lot of prayers and thanks for your nimble fingers, but I had no idea I'd ever had the opportunity of expressing my gratitude in person. He said, were all the panels there? And I said, well, I, I appreciate your concern. No, they weren't, but it wasn't your fault. You know, I ejected from that F-4 phantom at 600 knots close to the ground. That was well outside the envelope of that parachute. I said, but let me ask you a question. Do you keep track of all the parachutes you pack? Do you know of all the lives you saved? And the guy said, no, and, and this is the most important part of the conversation that night. He said... No, he said, I don't keep track of all the parachutes. It's enough gratification for me just to know that I've helped somebody out along life's rocky road. And so wow. I, I use that as a metaphor that that's what life is about, is packing parachutes for other people, or preparing them for the challenges that they might face. And I think that's the business you're in, Dan. Uh, and uh, I'm in that business as well. As we travel and as we speak and as we uh, discuss things over the and the internet, as we're doing, uh, we, we we try our best to pack those parachutes and give folks some of those nuggets that uh, that they need, some of the philosophy, some of the some of the thinking, some of the process, some of the words to use, so that when they when they find themselves hanging out over enemy territory, when they, when they, when they get into that little 8-inch box of, of mental myopia, uh, they actually it, it have some, some inkling as to, as to how to not just survive, but thrive through the experience. I've often thought that adversity is a horrible thing to waste. And you, you waste adversity in life by blaming other people for your problems and feeling sorry for yourself and denying that you've lost all control and that you're the victim, and which is exactly how I felt when I was first shot down. But the leadership in that prison camp and, and then the camaraderie, the camaraderie we shared there and the unity that we provided proved that we did have control, you know, that, that we weren't victims, and that uh, it was all, it, 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 the solution was the choices we were making about the way we were thinking about the adversity. Yes, sir. So if you were invited in to speak to a prison, what would you say to the prisoners? Well, I would probably probably that same line because prisoners uh, generally don't accept the fact that there's a that they were at fault in getting into the prison. When I, was, when I first came home, as a matter of fact, I was appointed uh, uh, Secretary of Corrections of Kansas 
And so I went out and I spoke to a lot of prisoners. And it was interesting that, that you know, they feel, felt victimized uh, by the society, but there was always some excuse that they had. And, and I mean, it, that's a tough argument to try to tell them that they still have some control, even though they're locked up, that they still can achieve, they still can succeed, they can, they can still reach the summit. And so that's that just generally the, the approach that I would take to prisoners. Yes, sir. So with all due respect, and you know, tongue-in-cheek out of my love, love and respect for you and every fighter pilot, in order to climb into a cockpit and you you got to have that sense of invincibility and every time i've had fighter pilots in my audiences i you know i point out that you all walk like you sat on something hot you got this swag going <laughs> and yep. and and all of you i mean you're 75 years young sir and you still are so handsome you still uh, you just have this this stage presence this this it factor that we call it in the entertainment world when you walk into a room people stop and say who is he what does he do and you have this sense of invincibility that you must have in order to hop in to climb up that ladder slide into your cockpit and get launched off the kitty hawk you just have to have that that's just part of who you are but back to the story of this young man who packed your parachute I've heard you say it, and I just want you to explain it in your words to my listeners. What did this conversation with this young enlisted man working in the bowels of the of the ship? Remember, if you're packing parachutes, it's almost like you're on an assembly line with no windows, and that's your job. And here you are, this mighty fighter pilot who suddenly realized that, yes, you fly the jets, but we have to pay attention to those who allow you to fly the jets and allow you to land safely if something goes wrong. Can you share that part of your speech that is so that resonates with me every time I've heard you speak? Well, thank you for that. Uh, I was I was humbled in meeting this guy because I my mind would flash back to those moments on the Kitty Hawks when I was the top gun. You know, I was the fighter pilot. I was the reason that those 5,000 men on that ship were doing their job. And suddenly, you know, it occurred to me that, that everyone on that ship, every person on that ship had a job to do. And I wasn't the only one, you know, that we were all supporting each other. And it was, that, it was within that feeling of humility, you know, that, that I almost, I, I felt like I should drop to my knees and thank this guy <laughs> because it, I was the one getting all the accolades, the kudos. I was getting the, the press, you know. I, I was the uh, I, I was the guy that was accomplishing the mission, and he was just an also ran. And uh, and suddenly, he's the guy that actually saved my life by doing this. So it was um, well. We had a long discussion that night, as a matter of fact, and uh, and of course, I'm just thanking him profusely and he said I'm not the only one that packed your parachute you know and I said no what do you mean by that he said you know your mom your dad preachers teachers from your early life they gave you these panels in, in your parachute so that you could survive you know, they gave you the integrity and the trust the loyalty uh, the stamina they, they're the ones that packed your parachute just as I did and so I love that metaphor that 
we, you know, we do in fact pack the parachutes. And, and I asked my audiences, I said, okay, have you thanked that person lately? You know, your mom or your dad or sister or brother, or teacher, or preacher, or coach. Have you, have you taken the time out to say, hey, you know, you've been a, a big part of my life so, and I wouldn't be who I am if, uh, if you hadn't packed my parachute long ago. <clears throat> so, so that's basically, you know, the theme. And, uh, and, and I, am, I, I am a humble person knowing full well that I am not self-made. I've done a lot of fun things, you know. I've, I've, achieved, I've achieved a lot in my life, but it certainly didn't <laughs> didn't come single-handedly. I, I'm not a one-man band. Well, <clears throat> your insights on how to cope with the difficulties as well as the opportunities in life have had an amazing positive impact on those of us who have had an opportunity and privilege to hear you speak, to hear your message. Tell us about your books and tell us about how we can get a hold of you um, to hire you as a speaker, as a consultant, as a, as a leadership guru. Everything's on my website, as usual, charlieplum.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-P-L-U-M-B.com. My autobiography is in its 32nd printing. And so it's, a, it's been around wow. the block. And, um, and, and anyone who emails me or orders that book from my website, I'd be happy to autograph it to you or as a Christmas present or whatever. I, uh, I, I take things uh, pretty personally around here. I answer all my own email. And um, that all the speaking uh, fees and, and schedules are on my website as well, charliecon.com. There's also, you know, like most of our websites, uh, there are videos and uh, and principles and things like that. If you if you if you don't have the money to buy a book or if you you don't uh, hear me speak, there's still lots of basic principles on that website. I think that people can take away and use in their own personal lives. Wow, Charlie Plum, my guest. Let me just put you on the hot seat here, brother. Are you ready? You bet. So so. Well, that- you served for two of your six years in incarceration at Hanoi, at the at the Walla Prison, Hanoi Hilton, North Vietnam. You served, you, you didn't serve, sorry, you were incarcerated and tortured beyond belief for six years. But I love the way you have phrased your participation in that six-year torture chamber as having served for two of those years as the chaplain in the camp. So I want to put you on the hot seat, brother. If you uh, if you had one hour to live, what advice would you give us as a prisoner of war, number one, number two, as a father, number number three, as an American? As a prisoner of war, and, and one of the reasons I felt called to, um, uh, to serve as a chaplain there, and of course I'm not ordained, and I didn't I, you know, I didn't really feel um, qualified to serve my Lord as, but I saw the need. And that uh, when everything else is gone, here's the interesting part about being a prisoner of war. When your fancy airplane is gone, when your fancy uniform is gone, when your family is gone, when everything that you've ever used as a foundation for your life is gone, you turn 
to the ethereal. You, you turn to your faith, and, and you find that, yeah, your faith is still there. It's as solid as a rock. And so it was, it was really important to me to lead these other guys, as I was able, to, uh, uh, to, to count on that foundation, you know, to, to, to count on the principles that they learned as a kid, uh, as a father, and I have four kids, and they're all uh, grown and doing well. I have three grandchildren, and uh, fatherhood uh, is, is such an important role in life. Maybe, in matter of fact, probably the most important role I've, I've had beyond you know, being a fighter pilot and a speaker and all these other things, and, and being the best husband I can, can, uh, can be. Uh, being a father is so vital that you pass along the the, the foundation, the theory, the words, the, the approach, the attitude that that you have to your kids, and it's amazing to me. One of the, one of the wonderful things about being a grandfather is to watch your kids father their kids uh, as you have fathered them, and and so some of those very basic things, just you know, honesty, integrity, trust, loyalty. Um, these are the things that that you not you, you teach them by example, and so I would you know to, to your fathers the advice I think that I would give to your fathers is be with your kids. You don't you don't have to, to to instruct them. You don't have to teach them anything. Just be there and be that example. As an American, um, your, your third question. Uh, wow, I, I pray for this country of ours and, and the society that, that uh, we have today and the fact that it seems like that we all feel like we're entitled, that we deserve just because we're an Americans. And I, I think as an American, if we could just get rid of that single word, deserve, I think as an American, we really don't deserve anything. There's a lot of things we can earn, and the country... It, it was built and continues to be just a, just a, a wonderful uh, place to achieve, to succeed. And we've been given so many areas where we can be the best we can be and we can carve out a great life, but not because it's given to us, because we have earned it and we've worked hard for it. We've gotten an education and we, we spend the time and the effort and the pain even um, to, uh, to 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 ply our our craft, you know, to to work our trade, and that really is where it's at. To be an American, I think, is to serve. But I don't think you have to to carry a gun or, or fly a jet fighter to serve. In fact, you're an excellent example of this man in your trips to support the troops and in your presentations to the academies and and all of the things you have done to honor our military. I think that you that you have served just as your dad did in that prison camp, and he would be proud of you, I'm sure, just the way that, that, that you are a great patriot, my friend. Well, you honor me. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. My next guest is Boyd Matheson, who's president of the Sutherland Institute. And what we're going to do now is take this amazing interview with Captain Charlie Plum into a more of a civic leadership role, a 
patriot participant role where each of us as citizens need to catch the vision that when we go to the polling uh, booths, when we participate in our elections, when we try to serve our fellow men and women in America, that we do so not focusing in on who's right, but what, but by focusing in on what's right. And I think that's what you've shared with us, Charlie, that to be a great POW, a great dad, a great patriot, what you want to do is just help our kids, help our fellow inmates, help our fellow citizens focus in on what really matters most. And you've been the greatest example in my life of anybody that I've ever met. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being a hero to me and my family and to all my friends. And uh, I can't wait to reconnect off air and uh, see how I can help you. One more time, Charlie Plum, how do we get a hold of you? CharliePlum.com, C-H-A-R-L-I-E-P-L-U-M-B.com, and it's all right there. Of course, I'm on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all the other LinkedIn, all these uh, things, but, but uh, the website will get you there. Yes, sir. Let's go to commercial break. Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com. The Influencers Channel will be right back in a moment with Boyd Matheson. Don't go anywhere. What an amazing discussion he will have that will take us to the next level from what Captain Charlie Plum has already said. Thank you so much, sir. I love you. I honor you. And uh, God bless you and your family. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. 
Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. I trust that you've been on my show, tuned in for the last hour. I hope you have not missed my interview with Captain Charlie Plum and his book, uh, Pack Your Own Shoot. He asks the question, who is packing your parachute? And for those of you who are just joining us, his magnificent story after having been shot down in Vietnam on his 75th mission five days before he was being released to go home at the end of his tour, he shot down over Hanoi and spent six years in basic solitary confinement, tortured beyond belief, his, his, his joints dislocated, unbelievable pain, and what allowed him to withstand that pain and torture and not just survive it, but thrive through it, as he would say in his own words, it was his mindset, it was his leadership that took over and took charge in Hanoi Hilton where 591 prisoners of war were released in 1973, some of whom became United States senators. John McCain is one. And the list goes on and on of a presidential candidate, of a vice presidential candidate in Stockdale. And these individuals became very successful businessmen and community activists. And the list goes on and on. And the question to all of us civilians, especially those of us who have never been tortured beyond belief, could we have done it too? And if so, what are the steps? How must we change our thinking in order for us to rise to the occasion and be those patriotic Americans that were incarcerated at the Hanoi Hilton? Well, I believe in my heart of hearts that we finally have someone on this show. We have finally have someone in America who can actually explain to us what we need to do in order for us to stop being political and start focusing on policy. Again, let me repeat. Boyd Matheson is president of Sutherland Institute. And in my investigation, as I did my due diligence, what I found to be so true and so profound is that the Sutherland Institute is not a political organization. It's a policy organization which allows us to be inspired to focus not on who is right, but on what is right, reminding us that living in America does not make you an American. 
on September 11, 2001, when those 19 hijackers collided into the two twin towers of the World Trade Center, into the Pentagon, and went down in flames in Flight 93, United Airlines, Flight 93 into, into Somerset, Pennsylvania. When those 19 hijackers hijacked those planes and turned those airliners into missiles, they did not attack America as a landmass. They were not trying to conquer us as a people. They attacked what we believe in. Boyd Matheson is president of Sutherland Institute. Boyd, who served as chief of staff for you, Utah Senator Mike Lee in Washington, D.C., has a wealth of experience as a coach, executive advisor, and business consultant. In addition to his service as Senator Lee's chief of staff, who, by the way, is probably the foremost expert on constitutional law in the country, my push for becoming a, a Supreme Court justice at some point, Boyd most recently built a successful political consulting firm advising national and state elected officials and candidates. From 2005 to 2012, Boyd Matheson served as president of the Trillium Strategies, a consulting firm focused on branding, business transformation, and operational excellence. Boyd and his beautiful wife, Debbie, have five children and four grandchildren, and that's so critical to his bio because he gets it. He helps us understand what we as Americans believe in, which we can perpetuate for the future of our children and grandchildren. Boyd Matheson, what an honor to have you on my show. Let's just talk, brother. How are you? Doing great, and great to be with you, Dan, and thanks uh, thanks for all you do to, to make a difference out there. That That is the, the bottom line. For all of us, you know, we can we can be pretty pessimistic about our, our politics in this country because our, our politics really have failed, but America will not. And I think one of the most important things that each one of us have to remember is that we, we don't need to look for someone from Washington to waltz in and, and solve our problems. It's not the way it was founded. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and we should also remember that our our political folks have almost never led this country, even back to the very beginning. Think about it. The, the Declaration of Independence, an inspired document for sure, but it was a lagging document, not a leading document. The Revolutionary War had been going on for almost 18 months when the politicians got around to, to crafting that. Now, it was, it was a very important galvanizing document for sure, but it wasn't a leading document. Most of the initial battles of the Revolutionary War were all community battles. They didn't have time to send word back to Command Central to figure out what to do. They went and grabbed 25 guys out of the church and said, we've got to defend our homes and our families and our freedoms. Uh, look at interesting things like uh, Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier in Major League Baseball in 1947. It was 17 years later that Congress got around to doing some meaningful civil rights legislation. Uh, even simple things, uh, and, and you know this one, Dan, if any, if any bill has mother in it or has Mother's Day in it, that's a pretty easy vote for a member of Congress. You vote yes. But amazingly, this lovely woman from West Virginia had this idea to honor her mother and all mothers, went to Congress, suggested that we have a Mother's Day. Congress voted against it 20 times. Finally, she gave up. She went back to West Virginia, and she passed it in the West Virginia state legislature. And then she went to Connecticut, and then she went to Maine, and then she went to Rhode Island and Vermont. And when every state in the nation had passed Mother's Day, 
then Congress boldly declared, we shall have a Mother's Day. And so I think the first lesson we've got to get to, Dan, is that it's culture and community that lead. Not Washington, not people in Congress. It's community and culture. The politicians will follow. And, and that's what gives me hope for America. I can be really pessimistic about some of the political stuff going on, but I'm absolutely bullish on the future of this country. It's because it's, it's people, it's communities uh, that have always led the nation. And we need to remember that. Sometimes we forget and we start thinking Washington ought to solve some things. Uh, it all starts right in our homes and in our own neighborhoods. I love it. So that begs the question. You have Utah Senator Mike Lee, and he plucks you out of the community because obviously you're a community activist. Obviously, you understand small government. You understand the power of a community. How does Boyd, Boyd how, does, how does Mike Lee find you and invite you to be his chief of staff? So, so interesting. You know, I spent most of my career doing what you're doing, Dan, you know, traveling the world and doing consulting and helping organizations and individuals thrive and prosper. And I did that for 25 years. And then uh, it, it's that old saying, you know, be careful what neighborhood you move into. And uh, I moved into a little neighborhood here in Utah and uh, four houses down was just this attorney guy named Mike Lee. And uh, so we got to know him a little bit then. He moved out and went back to Washington uh, because he served as uh, clerk for Justice uh, Samuel Alito on the Supreme Court. Uh, But when he got into the race in uh, 2010, he asked me to come do the strategy and the communication pieces. So so I did that during the 2010 election. He won, which was fantastic. And then I very wisely went back to my business consulting. And then it was about a year later. I'll never forget it. I was sitting at the airport. I was getting ready to fly to Bangkok to give a leadership speech over there. And uh, Senator Mike Lee now gave me a call. And we were just kind of chit-chatting on the phone, catching up on a few things. And and then all of a sudden, it was like I could hear him in stereo. And I said, Senator, where are you? He says, oh, I'm at the airport. I'm waiting for a flight. And I turned around, and we were literally sitting back-to-back at the gate and I uh, hadn't realized it. And as my wife, Debbie says, that's when he sucked me back into the vortex and asked if I'd uh, come be his chief of staff for a season, uh, which is, I think how it's supposed to be. You, 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 you go in, you serve for a season and then you need to get back and uh, back to community and back to family. Uh, and so I did that for a period of years and uh, never moved to Washington. I commuted back and forth because we wanted to keep our family here in Utah and, and in our community and uh, and it's interesting, Dan. You know, you're you're a guy who understands leadership like very few people. And the most shocking thing to me, going back to Washington, looking at it not from a political, I didn't I didn't have a political background, uh, but looking at it from a business background, I was amazed at how few battles back there are even left and right anymore. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's people in power against everyone else. And I was stunned at the lengths that the leaders of both parties would go to, just so no one had to take a hard vote, so everyone could be reelected. And the thing we have to remember, this is really important for your listeners, Dan, we are not nearly as divided as a nation as our leaders in Washington and people in the media want us to believe that we are. Because this is what happens. If they can convince us that we're too divided to deal with health care or immigration or taxes, It gives Congress an excuse to do nothing, and it gives the president of either party the excuse to do whatever they want by executive order with a a cell phone and a pen. 
Uh, I still firmly and passionately believe we could solve 92% of the immigration issue in an afternoon on the floor of the House and the Senate because everybody agrees. But you have people on both sides of the aisle. Uh, I call them the strident voices at both ends of the spectrum that raise hundreds of millions of dollars using these things as a wedge issue. Uh, We're seeing it today. The president's about to unveil his tax plan tomorrow. And I guarantee you, watch your, watch your inbox, watch your mailbox. Um, within 24 hours, the left will send out a fundraising email that will say, if this goes through, grandma's going off a cliff, send us 25 bucks to help. And the right will send out an email saying, if we don't get this tax cut through, we're on our way to socialism and redistribution of wealth. Send 100 bucks, And both sides will raise millions and millions of dollars. And this is, this is the challenge, Dan, because we've been conditioned by these political parties and outside groups that profit off of division. Uh, I call it the shampoo bottle model. So if you, if you think of what it says at the bottom of your shampoo bottle, it says lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> and that's what they do. They lather us up. They get us angry. They get us frustrated, full of angst and fear. And then they allow us to rinse that anger and frustration off with a nice $25 or $50 contribution, and then they repeat it. And the problem, Dan, is that as citizens, we've been conditioned to respond positively to negative emotions like fear, anger, and frustration. And that's the challenge in the country is we've got to say, no, no more of that. We need to expect more out of our leaders, and we need to expect more out of ourselves. It's a, it's a we the people challenge as well. You know, we can complain about Congress. Congress currently has an approval rating. Uh, it came out again today. It is at 15%. 15% approval rating for Congress. So that puts them somewhere in between Raul and Fidel Castro and the <laughs> upcoming influenza virus. And, and, my, the and, virus and, my, and my junior prom date. And your junior prompt. Yeah, say, I, I, I relate at that deep emotional level. <laughs> and, yet, and yet we reelect the incumbents 92-plus percent of the time. That's so that's a we the people problem. Uh, we have to quit accepting the status quo. We have to quit accepting when people tell us, well, you need me back there because I have seniority, or you need me because I'm on this committee or that committee. Uh, we, we can change that in an instant if we, the people, will say, no, what we want is a vision and an agenda. Okay, uh, so because you're, you're, keep go going. Ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Keep going. Uh, it, the problem in Washington right now is you have so many people whose only vision is a vision of themselves in high office rather than a vision and an agenda for the people they represent. So we have to expect more. I used to always ask, I used to get to be the gatekeeper. As chief of staff, you're sort of the gatekeeper for the senator. And there were a lot of people who wanted to run for office or who wanted to uh, get an endorsement, and they'd have to get past me. And I'd, I'd always focus on a couple of questions. The first question was, if they didn't pass the first question, it was over. And my question was, what is your agenda for this campaign? In other words, what is it that you're going to talk about what is the agenda and vision that you're going to engage in that's going to make all of this awful, painful stuff of a campaign worth it, even if you run and lose? 
Because That's you either true. have an agenda or you don't. You know, it shouldn't be, well, I'll run if so-and-so doesn't run, or, oh, hey, it's this person's turn to run. They've been waiting, and they've paid their dues, and so they, they should get to run this time. No, that's not how it's designed. Uh, either have a, a vision and an agenda that will make it worth it, even if you try and fail, or you don't. And the other okay, thing so- that every one of us should ask about a candidate before we check the box or pull the lever for them, I think everyone should always ask, what would this candidate do to make a difference if they lost? Because if, if you can't answer that, if you think, oh, well, this is kind of the pinnacle for them, if getting that position of power is the pinnacle, then every decision they make once they win office is going to be to maintain that power as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem. We need to have people we can say, oh, yeah, if that person ran and lost, you know what, they'd go contribute, and they've got philanthropic endeavors they're working on, and they're part of this in their community. Those are the people we really need in office. Yes, sir. And I don't mean to draw this analogy, so I'll, I'll get hate mail because of it, but what popped into my mind is the description of O.J. Simpson. You know, I've been on the program with, with the forensic scientist Lee, who points out all the blood evidence and the DNA and everything. We all know every person on the planet knows that O.J. Simpson killed his wife. And the interesting thing is, is that once he was let off, he never participated in supposedly trying to find who the real killers were. What you're saying is that we were going to run for office, and if we lose, if we get off the hook, so to speak, let off the hook, are we really true patriots? Do we really understand service before self and leaving our country and our community in better shape than we found it? Okay, so here's, here's my question. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Boyd Mathis, and this is the VoiceAmerica.com network on uh, on the Influencers Channel. We're going to take a we're going to take a commercial break. But Boyd, of all my guests and of all my years, I I now know that you're the one that can answer this question. Okay, so I've served on the National Civic Leaders Board with the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, three different chiefs over the years, many many years. Been to some high level meetings in Washington, and because I'm so astute on the political side of appointments uh, in the military, here's my question. I have seen supposed U.S. senators and congressmen and congresswomen hold up the appointments of general officers in the United States Air Force, using them as a, a bargaining chip to get a specific government-funded program in their constituency. I have seen temper tantrums by by senators and congressmen and congresswomen who basically say, I'm not going to vote for this person. I'm not going to let this general officer through if you don't keep us in, in the loop to have this particular fighter squadron or this particular aircraft based in our state, Alabama, Idaho, Arizona, you know, the lists go on and on. So here's my question to you, good brother. When are our elected officials going to stop being senators from Utah, senators from Arizona, senators from, from, from Alabama, senators from Minnesota, senators from Virginia, and be United States senators, United States congressmen, United States congresswomen who basically say, wait a minute, this decision might not be the best for my state, but guaranteed it's going to be the best for our country. 
Can you answer that? I know you can answer that. I wanted to ask you this since we met. Oh, my gosh. When are they going to stop trying to get reelected and finally let it hang out and say, wait a minute, this is for the good of our country, not just the good of my voting district? Yeah, that's that's right. And that's uh, of all the frustrating things that happened in Washington, uh, those were probably the moments where I, you know, pulled my hair out. My forehead is completely flat from the number of times I, you know, slapped it saying, you know, really, there's, there's nothing on the planet that could function or not function the way the government does and, and continue to exist. Uh, and, and so I think there's a, a couple of components to that. So All right, let's, one, let's, I, let's, let's, wait, 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 wait. I, want to, I want to go to com- commercial break. I wanted to give you a, ch- awesome. a chance to think it through because that's a kind of an in-your-face question. Like, when are we going to have folks vote for everybody's benefit instead of just for who votes for them? So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to just think about that, okay? <laughs> let's go to commercial break, Matt. We'll be back in a moment with Boyd Matheson, president of Sutherland Institute, a policy think tank, a policy uh, organization that really educates all of us as voters on what is right, not who is right, but what is right and what will make America great. Back in a moment. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. And with my guest, Boyd Matheson, who's president of Sutherland Institute. Boyd, he served as chief of staff for Utah Senator Mike Lee in Washington, D.C., and he has a wealth of experience as a coach, executive advisor, and business consultant. You know, this is an interactive show, Boyd, and I'm getting a text message in instead of bringing this caller on the air. Isn't that interesting because of what we said before the commercial break? Okay, Mr. Matheson, what is how how can we how can we differentiate between who's right and what's right? And that ties into the question I've given you a couple of minutes to think about. When can we expect our elected officials to be United States representatives versus just state representatives who have actually elected them and sent them to Washington DC? Yeah, and I think the first step, there's actually a step before we go beyond states and, and get to United States, uh, and that is getting past the uh, the political party side of the equation, because that's where all the power, money, and influence happens. You have to, to recognize, as we talked about before, Dan, we're, we're not nearly as divided as a nation as they want us to believe, and, and dictators have used division as a way to maintain the status quo, maintain power uh, for a long time. Uh, there's no coincidence that six out of the ten wealthiest counties in America are suburbs of Washington, D.C. Uh, they don't manufacture anything. They don't produce widgets or cars or phones or anything else. It's all power, money, and influence peddling. Uh, and most of those are connected to the political party. So that's, that's step one. Uh, I do think we need to look at something around term limits. Uh, some people will say, yeah, the ballot box is the term limit. Uh, but as I said before, 92.5% of incumbents win re-election because the money uh, and the influence is so big, it makes it much harder to challenge somebody once they are in office. So term limits is important, but let me throw a, an interesting twist to it. Because uh, most people say, okay, I can get behind that. You know, if you spend two terms as a senator, 12 years, uh, that's what Washington had in mind. Uh, and people should go back to the private sector. Um, and... You know, it's interesting. I'm going to divert here slightly, Dan, because when I when I was in Washington, you know, my my days would end if it was a good day. It would end by midnight or 1 a.m. And then I'd I'd walk through the Capitol uh, to get to my little place. And there's nothing like being in the United States Capitol after midnight when nobody's there. And I would often stop in the rotunda, uh, and that's just a magical spot. And you look around that room, and and my favorite mural in the rotunda is of George Washington giving back, giving back all of the power. First time in history where the conquering general of the conquering army did not assume absolute power. And Washington did. He gave it back to the people. He gave his commission back. And we need more of that. We have too many in Washington who think they are irreplaceable. So, so we need to get that as a, as a model. Washington was the model. Uh, but we also need to look at a different kind of term limits. I believe we need to look at term limits for staff. There are people who have been working in Washington for years and years and years, and some of them work for senators who aren't really engaged, and so they're they're kind of the uh, quasi-senator. 
Uh, and so I think staff should go in for a period. I always told our staff in Senator Lee's office, I said, this is supposed to be seasonal work. Come in for a season, work your guts out, make a difference, leave a legacy, and then get out of here and go back to a community, go back to the private sector, go back and make a difference in your hometown. And, and we need more of that. Uh, and I think that's the only way we will ever see real change. Now, I will say on the positive side, Dan, there are some great people on both sides of the aisle in Washington. Uh, one of the areas where Senator Lee is leading out with an interesting group of folks, he's working on criminal justice reform, which is so overdue and so needed in our nation. And he is collaborating with Dick Durbin from Illinois, Pat Leahy from Vermont, and Cory Booker from New Jersey. Those are probably three of the most liberal folks in the wow. Senate. Uh, Senator Lee is not liberal. <laughs> He's probably the most conservative man in the Senate. <laughs> but they have, they have come together. And, and here's the interesting thing, Dan. Everything's ready to go on it. The president will sign it. They would get at least 75 votes in the Senate. But Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, for political purposes, won't bring it to the floor. And, again, it's that power, and it's both sides of the aisle. Eagle. I'm an equal opportunity offender when it comes to the uh, political parties. Uh, because I think what we need to do, Dan, if, we're, if we want to get the kind of people you described, the people who will put the United States first, uh, we've got to get past uh, all of the shenanigans that go on back there that just allow people to stay in power. So if it's politics first, last, and always, uh, we're going to keep getting what we've we've always gotten uh, out of Washington. Okay, but if, so here's if we can start a, here's highlighting a, and showcasing those who are doing these great collaborative efforts. Uh, they don't make the news because they're not sexy and they're not bleeding, uh, and and so that's part of the challenge as well. But we have to demand that as citizens. All right. So as we demanded as citizens, another question that's oh, that's a Boyd Matheson question, brother. I am so sorry, but I've been waiting to just talk to you, and wouldn't you know it? It has to be on the air because you're so blooming busy. <laughs> So here's here's my observation, brother, and you are the classic example. You and I both know we can list, we can make a list of 20 maybe, maybe more qualified, articulate, extraordinarily smart, patriotic, amazing Americans who could be the most amazing senators, the most amazing members of the House of Representatives that we have ever elected. We have individuals that you and I both probably know, at least from a distance, who would make awesome presidents of the United States of America, and yet because of the system we've created, they don't want people to know what their grade point average was in the fourth grade, and so they back off and they don't want to run. How can we fix that, Your Majesty? That's the key question. If you can help us all understand that, since we're talking about civic duty, God bless you, yeah. man. I'm gonna. You, you need to start your own church, and I'm gonna fund the whole thing myself. <laughs> well, so so here's the, here's the thing, Dan. It's you know you you look at um, you look at what we've come to accept in terms of our media coverage. So right now, you can go on whether you go on Fox News on the right or CNN or MSNBC on the left. Uh, basically, what you're going to see is they're going to bring in somebody from the left and somebody from the right. And they're going to shout talking points, not even at each other, past each other, for seven and a half minutes. And they're going to call that a good segment of television. And we have to, we have to say no to that. 
We have to reject that. You know, more than we have a political polarization problem in this country, we have a contempt problem in this country. And what I mean by that is when you have contempt for someone, contempt is the belief in the utter worthlessness of another human being. And Dan, if I can convince myself that you're worthless because you disagree with me on this issue, then I can blow up your Facebook page and I can melt down your Twitter feed and I can rant and rave and say all nice, all kinds of awful, horrible things about you and I can still sleep at night because you're worthless. And we have to get past that. Uh, I still maintain that one of the greatest interviews Senator Lee ever gave was with Elliot Spitzer on CNN. Very liberal. But they were both smart guys who weren't going to shout at each other. They were going to have an elevated conversation about principles and about policy. And it's actually fantastic television. And so we have to demand that and expect that. And it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I just came from an interview on Fox Business. And they put me on there to talk about what's going to come out in the tax bill tomorrow. And I was on with someone who had been a former chief of staff to uh, – Chuck Schumer from New York, and they literally said, hey, we want this to, you know, really go after it. Don't hesitate to jump in, you know, really go at it. And we started, and I actually laid out the talking points of the left and said, hey, I've got real concerns about this bill. I think it's going to hurt hardworking families. And went through this whole thing, and, and uh, my, my counterpoint, he's like, uh, Boyd just said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> and, and so it was, you know, this shocking moment. But then... But then, thank goodness, the host caught it and said, okay, well, let's dive a little deeper on that. What does that really mean? So you're telling me this isn't a left or a right issue. I'm like, yeah, this is a lobbyist issue. What nobody's watching in America right now is you can't even get a hotel room in Washington, D.C., because lobbyists from every special interest group have descended on the Capitol to convince lawmakers to preserve their little loophole in the tax Mm -hmm. code that benefits their clients. I'm like, but who's representing the forgotten men and women of this country? It yes. better be those United States senators, uh, because they're, that's their job. And, yes, but sure. unfortunately, it's these, these lobbyists. And so, so we have to expect it more. We have to make sure that we're reflecting that in our social media posts. Are, are we yes, elevating sure. the dialogue? Are we uh, being, you know, disagreeing without being disagreeable? Are we, are we curing our contempt with a little bit of warm-heartedness and, and, and an ability to transcend uh, just the, the talking point arguments with each other? Uh, we have a lot of work to do in this country. Uh, we have to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And whether that's about suicide with our veterans, whether it's about the opioid crisis, whether it's about religious liberty and LGBT rights and everything in between, we, we've got to get back to where we can have a conversation because that's what powers this country. You know it, Dan, because you live it. And when your neighbor has something that they need to be done, we do it not because it's our job or we're going to be taxed or penalized if we don't do it. We do it because they're our brothers and sisters. They're not the government's brothers and sisters. And, and so we have to do that. You know, the, the real heroes in addition to those who preserve and protect freedom every day. And I know you commit so much of your, your time to serving and helping and lifting in that space. And we need to make sure that we're also celebrating 
you know, that neighbor helping a neighbor in need. We need to make sure we're celebrating that, that already overworked teacher who stays late to help a, a child that's struggling, struggling, or that, that fifth grader who stands up to a bully uh, for a classmate. Uh, for that, for that community that rallies around a family of a of a soldier who's deployed, uh, that's yes, what sir. this country is all. That's the magic of America. It, it's and not in it, marble walls in Washington. It's it's in our own communities, first, last, and always. And I'm so glad you brought that up because think about what happened during Hurricane Harvey in Houston and the stories of of the Louisiana redneck posse, if you will, who come rolling into Houston in their four-by-four trucks and their air boats to save neighbors, and they never once asked, are you a Democrat or Republican? And Hurricane Irma, and the list goes on and on, all the way to the, the horrific shooting in Las Vegas where strangers were saving the lives of strangers. That's the America that you and I know, and that's the America that you're talking about. I want to go to one more just quick commercial break to help us pay for the time, and then I want to come back and take you to the end of the show and focus 100% on the Sutherland Institute. How is it different? Why is it a policy organization that educates and teaches us what we're talking about? This is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel, and my guest is Boyd Matheson. We'll be back in just a minute. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers i just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable dan clark was the keynote speaker he is clearly the most interesting man in the world he's been into space he reminded us to think bigger he's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books and he inspired all of us to make our lives matter He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Register now for the Art of Value Conference and Verisage Symposium in Allen, Texas. The Art of Value Conference runs Wednesday and Thursday, November 8th and 9th, with a networking day on Friday, November 10th, and an incredible Texas high school football game. There's nothing like it. Then, stay for the Verisage Symposium the weekend of November 11th and 12th. For pricing and more information, visit artofvalue.com and click events. Become the best consultant you can be. Attend both events, artofvalue.com, and click events. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My guest is Boyd Matheson, who's the president of the Sutherland Institute. We're going to take it all the way to the end of the uh, hour, the end of the show with this amazing human being, this amazing American. 
Happy Halloween, everyone. I wonder how many young kids will be Donald Trump today. I wonder how many will be dressed as soldiers. I wonder how many would be dressed as NFL players, God forbid, any. Any, just on the NFL side. So, Boyd Matheson, talk to us about the Sutherland Institute. Why is it so unique? Why is it so important for every single American to know about so our, our focus is that we, we really believe in a simple set of things. It's, it's about having a free market economy and then these strong institutions of civil society, strong families, strong neighborhoods, strong communities uh, is where it really happens. Uh, and so that's, that's our focus. So we focus on first principles, uh, and then we, we move things forward to what are the policies that would, that would help make that work. And uh, so it's interesting, you know, our, our founder – said something really interesting. He said this uh, before he passed away, and uh, it's been kind of the guy, it's actually the reason I came uh, to take over this position. Uh, When they first started talking to me about it, I I didn't know if it was quite the right thing for me to do after I finished up as as chief of staff. Um, But then I read something that he said. He he was talking about the political and policy space, and, and listen to this, Dan. This is what he said. This is 2004. This process requires strong advocates, certainly, but it also takes a counterbalancing sense of humility, civility, and dialogue. The political course often leads to power struggles, pride, vanity, egocentric ambition. It all too often manifests itself in strident voices, character assassinations, protest demonstrations, cloakroom deals, and corruption. That was 12 years ago. Wow. And, and, and it, it sounded like a CNN report. Yeah, it sounded like a <laughs> CNN report at 7 p.m. last night. Yeah, that's right. And so what we've decided to do is to transcend that. And, and this is how we frame it. Here's the easiest way to, to think about what we do at Sutherland Institute. So if you go back to the original Boston Tea Party, the original Boston Tea Party was simply a protest against the kind of government that the early colonists did not want. It was a government that taxed them too much, regulated them too much, was way too involved in their lives. So they did what Americans always do. They protested. But had they stopped there, had they stopped at just protesting against the government they didn't want, what we celebrate as the Boston Tea Party wouldn't even have been a footnote in history. I mean, it just would have been one more angry mob shouting at a big oppressive government. But they didn't, Dan. They marched forward, and it it took them 14 years to get from Boston, where they protested against the government they didn't want, to get to Philadelphia in 1787, where they put down in the Constitution, this is the kind of government we do want. And it's interesting, over the last decade, Dan, we've, we've had a lot of Boston battles in this country, a lot of protesting against a government that's too big and too expensive and too intrusive. But I'm equally convinced, and the reason I'm here at Sutherland is I believe if we don't have a Philadelphia vision for what we do want out of government and what we do want this country to be, we won't be a footnote in history either. And so that's what we do at Sutherland is we focus on what are the principles and then what are the policies that are going to help us make sure the economy's growing and going so that people have jobs and opportunity and upward mobility and then how do we make sure that we have these strong institutions of civil society, of neighborhoods and communities? Because that's, that's it. That's what America has always been about, and it's what we need to, to get back to as a country. So is there an interesting dilemma that because you help educate us on the policies and what's right and what we all need to do, 
could we actually suggest to the voting populace that maybe once and for all we should go to the the polls and not vote for who but vote for the policy and sometimes we that requires that we jump ship and vote democrat when we're re- registered republicans and sometimes vote republican when we're registered democrats could that actually happen it it has to happen dan and what we have to do as citizens is we need to ask of every candidate at every level of government, whether that's your local mayor or whether it's your United States senator or as a president, we need to ask, elections should always be about what's next. Not what is, not what was, not the past, not who has the power. It should always be what's the agenda going forward and how is that going to make a difference in my community and in my family and in my world? But if we don't ask those questions as citizens and we just vote the party line, then the status quo will prevail. And we, we have to but let me tie this to Lincoln. So I think one of the the rare genius of Lincoln, Lincoln knew that the, deep down the American people knew that slavery was bad and wrong. There were a lot of people who were living very nicely because of it. But Lincoln wouldn't let it rest. And when everyone said, don't do it now, we're too divided, we're too divided. They just wanted to keep the status quo. He says, no, we're going we're gonna to make a choice. It's a time for choosing. And that was the genius. And I think that's what we have to get back to. We need to, everybody in Washington says, trust us, trust us. We'll fix this. We'll solve this. No, it's the other way around. Washington needs to trust the people. And we need to trust ourselves to go out and demand more. We, we've been, for so long, we've been conditioned to just settle. It's just the way it is. You can't fight Washington. You can't fight City Hall. Just accept it. And so we end up with a whole lot of shoulders shrugging. Well, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. And what we need, Dan, in this country is more shoulder squaring. Of It is my job. It is my responsibility. I am going to engage. I am going to share my voice and share my opinion. Because we often talk about standing on the shoulders of giants in this country. The only reason we can stand on their shoulders is because they were willing to square them. And that's what each and every one of us have to do if we're going to move this country forward in a major way. Perfect way to conclude this amazing show. My guest is Boyd Matheson, president of the Sutherland Institute. What you have taught us all in a nutshell, if I can use my own words, in medicine, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. Which obviously states and and reminds us that most of us spend our entire lives seeking answers to questions. What Boyd Matheson, as president of the Sutherland Institute, has now challenged us to do is not just seek answers to questions. It's about time we question the answers. We honor you, Boyd Matheson. We love you. We honor Sutherland Institute. This is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. Remember this Entire two-hour show is available on uh, podcast on demand. Join my tribe, danclark.com. Click on receive free gifts and training, and we can keep in touch. Until we meet again, God bless America. Remember our military troops in your prayers. And as Boyd Matheson said this entire hour, let us get engaged and involved as United States citizens to make America everything that it has the potential to be. Until next week, this is Dan Clark signing off. God bless. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 
12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success. 